Hi, this is Jeff Davis. I spent many years just down the road playing rock and roll along the lakefront in Chicago at WLS Music Radio. This year's a banner year for Radio Centennials. That's why I'm happy to wish my brothers and sisters in radio a heartfelt 100th anniversary at 1440 WROK in Rockford, Illinois. Sometimes people just need a really good reason to get back together and enjoy each other. This is one of those occasions. Getting behind the microphone again and sharing those seldom told tales is a special feeling these folks didn't want to pass up. The studio is filled with decades of photos, bumper stickers, buttons, albums, t-shirts, jackets, original signs, and well-deserved industry awards. Here's to WROK's 100 years of broadcasting in Northern Illinois and Southern Wisconsin. And now, more radio stories between old friends on another episode of the Storyteller Studio. Good afternoon, everybody. We are back at the Storyteller Studio in Rockford, Illinois. And this afternoon, we have the honor, literally the honor, of dragging in John Strandon. Kicking from the, and screaming <laughs> against his will. From the <laughs> news department. How are you, John? Good. You know, the three of us, we haven't aged at all in, in no. 80 years or and, whatever, 100 it, years or whatever. And you know, it, it's, it feels weird looking at you without four panes of glass between us because that's how I'm normally seeing you. Remind Isn't, me of those panes of glass. There's a story later. No, <laughs> well, hey, we could start on those stories in any order you want. No, it's fine. When did you join WROK? Uh, actually, 45 years ago this week. So it was oh. April, April 1977. Kind of the glory days of screaming top 40 AM radio. and um, Yeah, that would have been the year of Shotgun Mark Rivers, Don Geronimo. I worked with Shotgun and Don. I was, I was hired to do the uh, evening news, so I worked with Shotgun and, and Don. Oh, my. Great guys. You know, I was a little bit in awe of this because I'm, you know, <laughs> this you know, kid right almost right out of college. And I'm uh, walking in there, and there's, I mean, these are guys who, you know, you turn on the radio, and it's like reverb out your ears. It's oh, like, yeah. Well, we're good. You know, and they all talk like this. And you know, it's like, hi, hi, how are you? I'm John. <laughs> <laughs> and then you hear them in person. It's like, you don't sound anything on the radio, because they really pumped up the reverb. Oh, they? I mean, it was crazy. I had some tapes from back then. It was, it was nuts. It was, I mean, really cranked up. So much fun. Shotgun Mark Rivers was a topic when Bill Shannon came in. Do you remember Bill Shannon? Sure do. Yep. And he was talking about the engineers just cringing every time he got on the air because you remember the big case that had our reel-to-reels and stuff in it? He would bang on that case. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Bang on Shotgun Mark Rivers. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd be talking to somebody on the phone, and when they wouldn't answer or they wouldn't answer quick enough or just to hype yeah. it up, he'd start pounding on this stuff. And, of course... You can imagine the engineers going, oh, my God, stop. And then, of course, Vern Nolte, I paid for that shit. Stop pounding on it. <laughs> but that was just part of his stick. Yeah, and then Shotgun left, and, and then I got to work with Joe, Joe James. Joe James followed Shotgun? Yeah. Wow. Joe, one of his, I mean, he was there like four, three or four different times. So this is like the last time he was there. He, oh my. he came in after Shotgun left. You know, I think Joe lives not too far from here. I yeah. think he's in Freeport. He's in Freeport. Actually, yeah. We're friends on Facebook. so I, uh, And he you know. still has the pipes. Oh, God, yeah. When you came in in 1977, what made you apply at a radio station? Had you worked at a radio station before? I, before I came uh, to ROK, ZOK, I was, the, uh, I was news director of a station in Danville. Oh, my. I'd been there six of the longest months of my life. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I went, you know, I, I did the whole 
college radio thing, and, and I was news director of the college radio station. And then the okay. summer after I graduated, I started to go, all right, where do I want to work? And, you know, I had family in Chicago and Wisconsin. I figured Rockford would be a good place. So I came and visited, came and dropped off tapes. Because that's these. what you did back then. That's what you did. You yeah. send them by mail. Or you could send them by mail. But, you know, <laughs> the idea was to, you know, mom wants you out of the house. She goes, go find a job. And uh, <laughs> so I, you know, got the map and figured out where all the rate. Finding Tamarack Lane. Oh, people could work there a year and still not how to go Tamarack. They know how to get to work. But they don't know the, yeah, that was the driveway. For, the driveway, yeah. yes, exactly. But so, uh, so I'm driving around Rockford. This is in the summer of '76. So um, I'm driving around Rockford. I dropped a sta- uh, dropped a uh, tape off at with Howard Miller at Triple R. Did you really? And uh, and probably YBR. Maybe were they out at the mall then? They were. I think I showed up there on the day they signed on. Wow, at the mall with the yellow brick road through the yes. through the through the walk on the mall, yes. and, I, I and then you I went just, into the dark tunnel. I I think I just showed up there. I had forgotten all about this. I think I just showed up there, and they happened to be the day they were cutting the ribbon. <laughs> Hi, I'm John. Hi, how you doing? Here's a tape. And then I drove around and trying to find Tamarack Lane, and then you know, being a smart college kid, I I saw the towers. I figured. Oh. I have no idea where Tamarack Lane is. But, but it can't be I, far. But I, I'm going to head toward those towers, <laughs> and I think I'll probably be able to find a radio station. And I did. And I dropped off a, a tape with, uh, it would have been Bill Phillips at the time. I don't remember if I dropped it off for him or actually or whether I actually talked to him at the time. I, I don't Well, Bob Pressman and Cliff Albert would have been in the newsroom at that time. I replaced Mark Colhane. Did you really? Mark, he was going back to school to get his master's degree so he could teach. I I run into him all the time out at Rock Valley because he's taught for years out at Rock Valley, and I'd run into him. I'd go, hey, Mark, thanks for quitting. (laughs) (laughs) That was my junior year in high school, and I vividly remember these guys on the radio. Yeah, I remember this. Bob was weekends. Bob, Bob Pressman? Yeah. Bob, Bill was the news director. Oh, my. It was Bill, Cliff, Fred. Cliff who? Cliff Albert and Mark O'Hain. And Bob was weekends. Wow. Bob was filling in nights. Bob basically you know, did a lot of my training. And I remember asking, Bob was really more interested in doing sports, I think, at the time. You'd have to ask Bob this. but um, Yeah. But I, I remember asking Bill at the time. I said, Bob's this this guy Bob is here. Why isn't he? Why aren't you hiring him? He goes, well, Bob. Bob's more interested in doing sports. So you know, hey, fine, the, it works for me. I know. So, and look how that all turned. But actually, and so all right, so nothing came of that dropping off all the tapes and everything. So I ended up <laughs> taking this job in Danville, um, which was fine because I went to the U of I, which was thirty miles away, and I still had friends in Champaign, so it was fine. It was, and I knew. Um, that once springtime came around and, and all my friends were going to graduate and stuff, I said, I don't, I don't want anything. You know, I don't want to s- stay oh, down here. Okay. And you figured there'd be better opportunities down the road, so this is just a yeah, little remember, interim thing. I remember at the time, yeah. Well, oh, there's a whole other I, – I don't want I – mean, we're going to be here for hours now. <laughs> That's okay. But I ended up, I ended up, I ended up interviewing – at W-I-T-Y. I still have the T-shirt that says, W-I-T-Y made me famous. I mean, because everybody everybody was on the staff had those T-shirts. And did they, John? Did they really make you famous? Well, not really, but I think I still have the T-shirt somewhere. But the guy who interviewed me, it was for a, an afternoon and evening 
position. This job opens up in Rockford at Triple R at the time. The guy I interviewed with in Danville takes the job in Rockford. Oh, my. Oh. So I figured, okay, well, that's nothing's going to happen there. I'm, I said I screwed up two jobs here. <laughs> and so, like a couple weeks later, I get a call from the general manager in Danville. So this guy has left. It was Dave Coglin who ended up going on oh. to Channel Twenty Three. Yes. And so he leaves Danville. He was a news director in Danville. He ends up coming to Rockford to work at Triple R, and then and then ended up going to Channel Twenty Three. So the general manager in Danville calls me and says, all right, we want you to come now to Danville and be news director. I go, are you serious? So I actually, I ended up taking this job. I started Labor Day 1976 uh, as news director. My first job out of college, I'm news director Whoa. of this little station in Danville, Illinois. Um, and was it really, really little, like in the middle of a cornfield type little? Back in the 70s, every station was in the middle of oh, a cornfield. Because yeah, they were all at, our, at their towers. Because that's where the towers were. Yeah. 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 The worst part about that job, I mean, actually, Danville had a lot going on. They had a General Motors plant, and firemen oh. went on strike. I mean, it was actually, and I got to be good friends, some of the politicians and stuff who were there. So, actually, it, was, it wasn't a bad news town. So, what was the horrible six months thing about then? Was it the I was people all you... by myself. Oh, <laughs> that's why you were news director. I was news director, and there was a uh, there was a young lady who worked with me who had absolutely no radio experience. So I was not only I was news director, but I'm trying to teach her oh, no. how to do radio. She so had the... been a journalism grad, and her all her experience was in print. But but she at least had journalism going for yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. she wasn't bad, but she write these long, <laughs> long stories, which in Danville. <laughs> wasn't it's probably what they were used to it wasn't it wasn't awful but i had to get i had to teach her how to you know to do an interview on tape oh. i remember we had a chalkboard in the newsroom you know with assignments on it and thing you know things we were working on and i wrote tape is god <laughs> on the board because you know she was used to writing these long stories with no no she, no, was, she was filling columns she was doing yeah she was writing long newspaper stories and oh reading them, uh, uh, leaving oh, oh, oh. me a tape of reading them, but no, what we called in the news biz as actualities. That's right. Yeah, no, That's right. No tape, no tape with you know from oh the. God, that scene. must have sounded like she was reading the obituaries. Yeah, um, on and on and she on. Was, she was really nice, and and then she ended up leaving. I think right after I did, or um, so I ended up sending a. Uh, I got to, actually did get a call from from Bill in March of '77 saying, "Hey, we got an opening. Send me a tape." So, wow. And I sent him a tape of all the stuff I'd been doing in Danville, and I got the job. Long answer to, uh, <laughs> no, to that's one a, question. That's a great answer. John Strandon also walked in today wearing a purple 97ZOK sweatshirt, mm-hmm. and it fits, and it looks in great condition, and it's wow. embroidered. Did you even wash it ever? How? How did you get an embroidered one? You must have been like highfalutin as opposed to just a printed one. I think one. these were uh, these were the staff shirts. Were the they time. really? I, yeah, I, they may have been selling them. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. What, I don't remember that what. Was, I have no idea what year this was. That was after me. That color. Those colors were after yeah. me. Yeah. You were the big squatty 97 COK, the big square thing. Yeah, the pink and the green and oh. yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, the, and that picture of everybody on Big Macs. Are you you're in that picture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They said be there at four o'clock. We're gonna take a picture. Yep. Everybody is in that picture, but me. <laughs> 
Because oh, no. I showed up at the station. I showed up at the station looking for everybody, and meanwhile, everybody's out back taking the picture. Oh, no. All right, so I'm, every time I see that picture, I go, oh, these are all my friends. I'm not in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe you were doing a newscast. No, I mean, it was in the afternoon because, you know, I worked in the morning, and I, they said, be back at 4 o'clock. We're going to take a picture. I think they took the picture at 3.59 oh. because it was, I mean, they were, and when I, went, when I finally went back there, they were done. Somebody needed to do a head count. Yeah, they needed to get a staff list. By the way, they were normally pretty good about making sure I was included in stuff. But uh, since then, this yeah. is this is. By yeah, the way, we'll blame Jeerdrum on this one you know, for that one. Yeah. Have Have you noticed some of the stuff that we've had laying around? And have you noticed the staff lists? Did you notice those out there? The staff list. The staff list. Oh, I didn't the, see them. Okay. And yeah. every so often, Jan or Linda or yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. would print a staff list. I'd ask for one every time it was time to do like Christmas cards and stuff. Yes, exactly, because <laughs> they had addresses, phone numbers, everything else. I recently, maybe a year and a half ago, it was the middle of the pandemic, I connected for one reason or the other with Rowanna, Petrie oh, Galena. Yeah. And she says, hang on just a second. I may have something you would love to oh, see. Wow. Ron Galena saved all these. And I would never think Ron would have saved wow. anything. And I've got maybe 14 or 15 of these lists that I scanned, you know, and gave them back to her. It helps you chronologically realize who was there at the time. These got but, really long. There's, you notice they got longer and longer. Yeah. As as there were live people at ZOK, and then you know that's that's what made the list longer. This is yeah. this is Josh, isn't that something? John Schweisberger. Wow. Doesn't that bring back some memories? Wow. What can you tell me about Keith Larson? Nothing that we can repeat publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Want me to tell the so, uh, Jackson so, Brown story? So, be, so being the non-news person but the interviewer that I am, John, what could you tell me about Keith Larson? Because <laughs> um, he was on my radio schedule at ROK for a blip. I don't know really that much about him. That's why I asked. Very, uh, actually very talented guy. Now, we stayed in touch. We actually got together. Uh, we were down in North Carolina. He's in uh, Charlotte. He was doing a talk show at WBT. Oh my. In Charlotte, and not too many years ago, he decided to not do that. Either he decided to not do that, or they decided to not do that. You know how radio is. I yeah. do. I do. Uh, he either he has uh, <laughs> left the building to pursue other interests. That's always the the, the note that goes up on Monday morning. You, you know, it's, there was a while there we take you walk around on Monday to see who's there because. You, because somebody, always, you know, somebody would get bad news on Friday afternoon. That, well, so, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Keith uh, was uh, was working down in Macomb, and I had uh, I had met him at a news broadcasters convention. I don't know if you remember this, but from on AP copy, yeah, if somebody would send a story to AP, they would say thanks so and so, yes, with the with the yes. name of the they station would, they on would it. Credit the contributor. Yeah. Yes, they, yeah. UPI didn't do that, but AP did that all the time. So I always, always, whenever I got a thanks, John Strandon, WROK, I always, I would save save it or make a copy of it or something. As you should. But yeah. Keith was at a radio station in in Macomb. He was down at uh, Western Illinois University. I don't think he ever finished, but he was working at a radio station down there. I recognized, I knew the name from. Because he sent a lot of stories to to the AP, and an opening came up, and I think well, I'm thinking trying to think of people who you know who would uh, um, uh, would would fit in, and I had met him at a convention, and I I called uh, I don't remember if I called him. Yeah, there was no there was no. 
There was no phones there back then. No, you were no, about to say no, that. <laughs> I was not going to say I didn't email him. No, no. I think I called and no. left a message. And he I think called. you put a message in a bottle and sent yeah, it down the river. I don't remember river. what happened, but somehow I, <laughs> I, I fed the information to him that there was an opening in, in Rockford, and he's originally from Palatine. So oh. I think that idea um, appealed to him a little appealed bit. Appealed to him a little bit. He was uh, he was a really good newsman, and then he became a talk show host after mm-hmm. that. He was doing he was doing talk show. Uh, the even an evening talk show. I remember him being the most genuinely inquisitive person. It's not like he had to ask the question. He really wanted to know whatever the topic was, whatever the guest was. But you could tell he just wanted to suck in the information, not only part of his job, but he just wanted to know it. That's the impression I had of Keith Larson. Mm-hmm. We all had the same radio background. We all grew up listening to the same stations. So there's a little bit of Lou Jack in him. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not really sure if that's a good thing or a yeah. bad thing, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I got to tell, can I let the cat out of the bag with WLS? Oh, yes. Okay. You were mentioning Larry Lou Jack. Well, you remember the lineup where it was Larry Lou Jack, Tommy Edwards. Um, you know, at one point it was Bob Serrata, Fred Winston. Yeah. Of course, you had um, John Records Landecker, Jeff Davis, and then mm-hmm. Yvonne, Daniels, Yvonne Daniels and so sure. on and so forth. All yeah. right. So when we were putting together the Storyteller Studio, I really did not want an intro to this podcast platform to be one of the ROK and ZOK people because then uh, you're showing favoritism, Mm -hmm. right? So I said, well, who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? I thought of Jeff Davis because he's an archive guy. Mm -hmm. He really herds the cats and collects the stuff for WLS for decades. Mm -hmm. And I go, he's going to understand what we're trying to do. So I put a phone call in. I put an email in because he's out in Hollywood. It's Jeff Davis Productions. He does the voiceover work for the big movies and the trailers and stuff like that. Who's this Larson guy? I don't know who that is. Although I told him. I explained everything. No return phone call. No return phone call. So then maybe a week later, I was talking to Kipper McGee. Kipper's up in Milwaukee. Yep. And I was telling him the same thing. Hey, this is the idea that I had. This is the guy that I'm pursuing. He says, well, you know, I programmed WLS at a point where Jeff was one of my air staff. I'll reach out to him and see what he thinks. Three days later, I had an intro, raw file, on my email. I ended up putting that voiceover on our old Skyward Promotions jingle package that we did. Now, I sent him the script, but I did not talk about time. I did not talk about what we were going to put it over. Nothing. So I put it over this bed. One second in, Jeff's voice starts. And then he goes, 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 goes. And then the music ends off cold. And it was two seconds before it ends off cold that he stops talking. Could not have been more perfect. Hmm. And so he's going to be the intro for when we put all these on. Hi, this is Jeff Davis. I spent many years just down the road playing rock and roll along the lakefront in Chicago at WLS Music Radio. This year's a banner year for Radio Centennials. That's why I'm happy to wish my brothers and sisters in radio a heartfelt 100th anniversary at 1440 WROK in Rockford, Illinois. Sometimes people just need a really good reason to get back together and enjoy each other. This is one of those occasions. Getting behind the microphone again and sharing those seldom told tales is a special feeling these folks didn't want to pass up. The studio is filled with decades of photos, bumper stickers, buttons, albums, t-shirts, jackets, original signs, and well-deserved industry awards. Here's to WROK's 100 years of broadcasting in Northern Illinois and Southern Wisconsin. 
And now, more radio stories between old friends on another episode of the Storyteller Studio. Here's my WLS story. Okay. All right, and it goes back to Danville. When I worked in Danville, we had an afternoon jock who was like a 17-year-old kid out of Hawaii. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> who is now in central Illinois. <laughs> oh, nothing could go wrong. Yeah, I think he was there less time than I was. But he tried to get me fired. Oh, no. <laughs> because here I am. I'm this college kid who did college, you know, college radio, FM college radio. So I'm like talking real slow and stuff. <laughs> and he's this 17 year old hyped up uh, AM oh, AM yeah. jock. And this is a you know, a little oh. town radio station where you know in the morning they're kind of all news and all community and you know all that <laughs> stuff. But then later in the afternoon they kind of crank it up a little bit. And you know, and, and oh. he was doing that. His name is Charlie B Tiger. Get out of here. Charlie B. Tiger. Real name. Good lord. You're going to fall off your chair. Rick Lippincott. No. Yep. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. Who later programmed WLS. And, Are you and, kidding yeah, me? Yeah. And I believe passed away a few years ago. So, yeah. Wow. So, that's yeah, that's my, my brush with <laughs> WLS greatness, you know. And, wow. You know, until about, you know, 40 years later and I had to... Worked with Ro, Rokan and Gary Meyer and doing their Coronado show, but uh, that's. How cool was that? Did you really? What would you? What were you doing? I was when I worked in the mayor's office. Oh my! Oh. We were, so what's the connection with them? What do you mean you worked with them at their show? No, I was working in the mayor's office, so I was the liaison for them to do. They they had, oh. were interested in doing their show, and oh. that's back when they used to take their show on the road. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And okay. that was Tim Johnson, who was the connection there. Yes. Who was at WLS at the time as the promotions manager. Wow. So and of course, knows, this is radio, everybody knows everybody. It is, because yeah. Tim was one of the marketing directors when I was there after Greg Lackner. And, you know, I had to go down to Houston for some medical reasons. And, you know, you're sort of looking at the survivors and you're trying to figure out where they are. Here's Tim Johnson down there, and he's working for a CBS owned and operated conglomerate of stations. I think there were six stations. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got one that's sports and one that's rock and roll, one that's country, so on and so forth. That's all stations now are six stations. Right? Yes, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So I went down there. He says, hey, when you're back in town, let me know. He could not have been more of a great tour guide yeah. showing you all of Houston. You know, Houston's the fourth largest market. It's gigantic. And he says, you know, the Super Bowl is coming here in February. This is like December. And he says, we've already allocated our spots. He goes, right over here under this, you know, viaduct is going to be where our country station is. And our news talk station is going to be over here. And he was in charge of all that. Mm -hmm. He was the promotions guy and the events coordinator for six stations. And can you imagine having the Super Bowl dumped in your location? He was just fantastic. We picked up like we had not talked to Mm -hmm. each other for 30 years. But I remember he went down to Atlanta with Spiff and Randy Cook. Wherever they had to fly people, they were in a Disney jet. Because, because it was ABC. You yeah, were ABC. Yeah. yeah, Fox 97 was owned by Roy Disney. Oh. Yeah. And Tim told me a, a story down there. He, and I, I distinctly remember when we were driving by the Bushes property, as in President's Bushes. Yeah. And, of course, you know, you can't see anything. It's way back there. He goes, but, you know, it's a nice hedge and a nice gate. So he's telling me that there was some hurricane of some sort that hit the coast. And, of course, they're in Atlanta. Well, somebody, I don't know if it was the Red Cross or ABC or what the deal is, they pulled in all these stations from as far inland as they could. 
And they said, come on in. Let's help with this fundraiser. Let's help with this whatever that hit this community. I can't remember what hurricane it was. And, of course, they fly in. You know, you got all these stations that are piling in for this event. And they had interns uh, all set up for them. All they had to do was say, okay, you interns, you are assigned to this radio station Mm -hmm. and whatever they're doing. Tim's telling me the story. There's eight of them. And they go down, hey, introducing himself, introducing himself. And the last one was Ryan Seacrest. (laughs) (laughs) He was 18 years old. And he goes, that's that's my little interesting tidbit See? that nobody ever knows. I go, yeah, Tim, no kidding, nobody ever knows that. Yeah, we all actually, you know, we all worked with people who went on to be really famous and, and programmed all over the country, and yes. not one of them called me and asked me to come work for them. <laughs> so, you know. But you had, what, a 24, 25-year stand at ROK? Yeah, 24 years. So you went from what extreme to what extreme? Young like, to old? No. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, uh, like air talent era. Well, or I started pers- with, I, I mean, I started on ROK at nights with Shotgun and Joe James and, and Don Geronimo. Okay. And then, you know, 24 years later, I'm doing news with Steve Shannon. Wow, that's a spread. And Steve Summers. Oh, my. I was on Q98 at the time. Right. Whoever was on ROK. <laughs> then, you know. Yeah. Um, well, Riley's been on the morning show for 20 years, so it would have been Dan and Doug, wouldn't it? No, no, no. This no? is after they. This is after after Dan and Doug had, had gone to Milwaukee and come back, or Dan had gone to Florida. Dan Doug was back at NTA. Oh, so you're looking for the gap between Dan and Doug and Riley doing mornings? There's somebody in the I mean, middle there. There's Bruce Butler. Oh my! Wow. Yeah. It'll hit me after we're done. That's okay. We can insert it in with yeah, editing. You know, I'll remember yeah. it, and I'll feel bad for not remembering it. Did you edit in the newsroom? Because that newsroom was not huge. Did you edit basically uh, with uh, you know stop and start on carts for your actualities, or did you have to do a lot of editing on reel to reel? I can't I remember mean, editing like splice. Yes. No, we would we would queue up. We worked straight from cassette. Well, because you we, were on location. Yeah, we'd come in with our cassette recorders and we plug them right in. Okay. And there'd be. Um, a, I mean, a good broadcast quality uh, cassette player recorder has a pause button. You know, like you're interviewing somebody and you get to the point where you want them to start talking and you stop the tape. Mm-hmm. You you pause the tape there and then you push the carton, release the pause, <laughs> and, and then quick turn down the, you know, when you got to the, you have to listen to it first so you knew where you were going to end. So, I mean, it was yeah. always, and so you knew where you were going to end it and then you pot it down or flip it off or pause it again. I mean, there's lots of different ways to do it. Speaking of flipping off, you did a lot of flipping off from the newsroom to the AM studio because we used to jack with you guys a lot. Well, here you know. Here's, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, oh. Uh, no, no, no. He's spinning it You're now. not allowed. You did work for the mayor, didn't you? You're not allowed. <laughs> you know, 24 years, I'm not allowed to say any bad words because I'm on the radio. Oh, that's true. So flipping off was kind of the... Sign language of the time. <laughs> that, that was your radio therapy. You got it out of your system Actually, by doing it. I have that. a picture. Picture somebody just walked in the door and you know and said smile and you know with a camera and I went <laughs> figuring that picture's ruined. No, no, ruined. no. Know? That makes it very genuine because no, I'm sure that's surfaced somewhere. <laughs> that's yeah, hilarious. Well, it might be up here. You never yeah, so when you were talking about Q98.5, you worked in the new building, didn't you? Well, yeah, I did. But I worked at Q- with Q after they moved over from Freeport. Yeah. And I lost my office. I was a news director. This is after Ken left. I was a news director. 
and they set up Q98 in the in the uh, news director's office. You are kidding. They me. put a little studio in there, and it was I mean barely enough room. Were you there then? You were there. Yeah, Liz was there at the I time. I was there for a little bit because now I did sales because I came back from Buffalo and did sales for a little bit, and we were on Mulford, and the studios were there with the rest of the radio station. Oh, at the, yeah, Q. Yeah. You couldn't put more than one or yeah. two people in yeah. that yeah. tiny little yeah. room, and if you remember, remember it was uh, Steve uh-huh. and Kathy Hess uh-huh. and Gerbil. Somebody was always the odd person out. <laughs> you could never have more than two people in the room at the time. And then I'd come in to do the news, you know, and everybody would have to leave except Steve. <laughs> that I mean, is hilarious. I mean, you know the size of the room is about the size of this table. I remember. I remember yeah. it as Bob's office, and yeah. you couldn't well, even sort of go in and talk my to office, him. But I, know, I know, but I, I, I yeah, it was always be Ken's office you know, to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wow, there's two people when we went to. Uh, Yvonne uh, Summers' uh, uh, retirement party, we saw a lot of people from radio. And there's some of these people that lined up for photographs and stuff, and I go, I, I don't remember who this person is. And somebody says, well, his name is Turtle, just like you said, Gerbil. Oh, Gerbil. Oh, I know, oh another, another guy. Oh, Brad, yeah. Brad, was it Brad Tuttle? I don't know. No one could come up with his name. And I go, I can't believe that the only way that you know him is Turtle. And then later, you guys came up with the name. But I don't know the gerbil and the turtle reasons for why they have those names do you no you'll have to ask steve that one. yeah <laughs> yeah steve will probably remember one way or the other but steve's another great story because i mean i you know after a couple of years at, at rok at doing nights i said all right well you know you can only work nights for so long yeah and um and i yeah. really wanted to get over to zok because that was where the cool hip people were <laughs> That's, thanks john i appreciate that well, no they had gone <laughs> I mean, I was, I actually had the best of both worlds because I could do, I could do, I mean, I covered City Hall. I could do news and are okay in the, uh, in the mid, mid days and, you know, be all Mr., you know, Mr. Straight Newsman. And then I can be kind of a little bit goofier doing mornings on, on ZOK, which was, you know, I had done mornings on an FM station in college. So, I mean, that was, you know, it was my. You knew the deal. I knew the deal and I wanted to do that. And, and eventually they, uh. Uh, they said, "Okay, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do that. We're gonna put you on there." And I was, I mean, I was on there for at least twenty years, you know, doing wow. mornings on, on Z. The era that I remember is when you were there with Wicker, because yeah. it was Wicker and Wilder and Summers and yeah. But what's funny but is, you every, were I mean, every 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 you know year or so, there'd be a new <laughs> there'd be a new morning host. And I finally, I, I I was keeping a list, and I think I I don't know if I can still name them all, but I had I mean there were like twelve or thirteen. Try. We started with Tom Hunter. All right, you will have no idea whether I'm right or not. It was Tom Hunter, then Man Mountain. Bob Walker. Bob yep. Walker. Uh, after Bob Walker was John Arthur. Yep. Back the second time. Because he had done ROK afternoons back yep. in the late 70s. After John Arthur was Randy and Spiff. I didn't know that that was right after each other. I believe so, because Randy, John knew Randy. All right, I may to be totally off. And then I think after Randy and Spiff was J.J. Michaels. That would be... And J.J. and Jack. J.J. Yeah. and Jack Lambiat together. Was Wicker yeah, after was that? Okay. Wicker was after that. Yeah. Because I came in and I my name in, in Memphis was Liz Michaels, and they didn't let me do Michaels because J.J. Michaels was, was just there. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Where did I leave off? It was Wicker. Yeah. Then Wicker leaves. Eric Ferguson? Yes. No. First was John Lee. John Lee. I don't recognize that name at all. Uh, this was in the early 90s. No. And then, and then, and then Eric. Yeah. 
and this is this is inside radio talk here. I always tell people in Chicago, I said, I worked with Eric and Kathy before they were Eric and Kathy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And then not so much a badge of honor now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, things happen. I, uh, Kathy's great. But what I was going to say is every time somebody would leave, I had to work with, with Summers. Oh, oh he would jump in. He would jump in because he was doing afternoons. Oh. So, all right. So, I mean, so later down the road, they say, we want you to do news on, on Q98 with Summers. I go, great. Steve and I have been working together for years. Yeah. <laughs> we know exactly how to do it. Yeah. I mean, and I probably, Steve would probably, you know. I, I used to beat up on Steve a little bit, so I, you know. Because it was fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, that's true. And he let you. So I He mean, does, and he still lets us. Yeah. You know, he was in here, and we had such a good time. And, you know, there's a lot of ZOK stories he said that I remember the event, but I don't know any of the details, so I learned a lot. And then he came back and interviewed Roger Peters. Mm-hmm. And so Steve sort of double-dipped. We did the same thing with Chuck Doyle. And holy crap, the stories are just hilarious that I just, you think, yeah, you think you know these people, and then there's all kinds of stuff. It goes yeah. down a rabbit the hole. story, I mean, you could do, you could, you could park like Summers and Riley and I in here, and we'd have to, we'd keep you going for five hours probably. <laughs> easily. Because, because one person would tip off another person. Yeah, and, easily. Yeah. I know oh. when, when Riley left. His parting words, we were going away party for Riley. And Is this said, when he was going to Ohio or Sandy Hollow? When he went to Sandy Hollow. Okay. Yeah. Riley he keeps coming back. He is. He is. And, and we're, not, we're I, back. You know, there's, <laughs> I, there has to be, I mean, there has to be a whole other thing of stories with Riley and John Arthur doing oh. mornings together in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, I'm oh, sure. Wow. I'm oh, my sure. God. And I've heard some of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I think Riley was going to Sandy Hollow, and he says, I came of age on, uh, on Brendanwood Road, and... It was kind of my high school. I said, he and he says, don't burn down my high school. Oh, my. So then a few years later, he's coming back, and I'm leaving. Oh. And I looked at him, and I said, all right, don't burn down my high school. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because I'll tell you, still walking through the doors of that old building, I tell you, it doesn't even matter. When it was completely it's, it's vacant. It's not there. I know. But even when it was completely vacant, oh, and it, the ghosts, and it was sort of moldy and sort of damp yeah. and whatever, we walked in there for some reason. I can't remember. I think Jan maybe took us over there because we asked to. You could still feel everything in there, mm-hmm. and of course, the heaviest damn studio doors on the planet. Oh yeah, those are uh, great doors. Yeah, WGN was close to that. They have some great doors, but uh, ROKs were wood, and of course, with the porthole. Yeah, you know. That's why it's so classic. Is that building is just incredible. I knew where the keys were oh, before that. Yeah, and so my last day, oh. I signed. I did my last newscast probably one o'clock in the afternoon on my last day in two thousand one, June two thousand one, whatever it was. And I looked around and went, "Well, that's it." And I went and got the keys and walked through the old building. Oh, I walked through the building one last time, just by yourself, by myself. And then I put the keys back and drove away. Wow. Because I wanted my last memory to be that building. Good for you. Yeah. I have always remembered, you know, when they had the WZOK automation. 24 hours of sunshine. Yes. 97 FM. Yes. But I cannot remember uh, the continuity and Audrey's office and WZOK. I can never remember that not being there. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it wasn't there. It wasn't. It stopped. And I know that. Yeah. yeah, and I know that. It stopped at the transmitter room. Right. 
But I have no recollection of those rooms not being there, but yet I have recollection of the automation. The bullpen is what that yeah, turned into yeah. with, with uh, staff uh, DJ desks and stuff along there. But it's, it's, a, it's weird how your memory works. That's the weird thing. That's how yeah. I actually, how I got myself into ZOK, you know, when it was the album, it was Rockford's top album station, was that they, they would run the automation at night. They were automated from midnight to like five, and it'd be an automation of these album rock tapes and stuff. I never knew that. We had it worked out where before I left at midnight, I would record some news. They would, you know, ZOK was doing its news commitment in the middle of the night. (laughs) Oh, no. So I would record about, I would record like a couple minutes of news. (laughs) And I must have done something right because they, you know, they they said, all right, we're going to have you do this in the mornings now. Fun. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Can you tell me about the Jackson Brown (laughs) album story? Yeah, we're trying to remember what year this came out. Jackson Brown holdout on Asylum Records. Uh, probably early ninety, early eighties. Nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Yes. Okay, so the uh, ZOK is the at an album station at the time, and they're going to be able. Uh, I think it's uh, um, the album's being released at midnight. Uh, Jackson Brown is playing in Madison the night before. The record people, we used to call them record pigs. Yes. The record, the, you, Liz laughs. Yeah, yeah, because that's exactly the, what they were. The record pig says, "Well, you can you can get a copy <laughs> of the album." In advance and play it at midnight if you send somebody to Madison to pick it up. God. So Keith Larson and I end up driving to Madison. You know, we get you know, uh, uh, an hour plus, but I think it was 45 minutes driving back. Because we, we, we drove up there. We saw the concert. Did you take the van? No, we drove okay. somebody's car. You know, in my car. His, it must have been his car. And I think it's odd that two newsmen... We're going up to do a record thing. That just seems completely ass backwards, you know, but so cool. You know, it <laughs> seemed weird at the time. <laughs> there but, may have been, yeah. So uh, Keith and I drive to Madison to get this album, and we and, and so we drive like maniacs back to Rock. And we backstage pass, meet Russ Kunkel and other people in the band. And oh. I don't think we ever met Jackson that night, but. We hightailed it out of there and got the record back. It was probably about five after midnight, and they, you know, they put it on, put it on the air. Tell me about the, that song Boulevard. Oh, this Boulevard. He was kind of hit. Um, you know, we, you know, we all grew up with Jackson Brown doing these. You know, the world is ending songs. <laughs> Here come those tears again. Before the deluge. Uh, yeah. Pretend- whoa, sappy yeah. Whoa, whoa's well, us. Well, not really sappy, but depressing. depressing. Yeah. Really depressing <laughs> songs. Back about 1980. Uh, this was back right after the loop started, so all oh. of rock radio was now playing rock and roll. No more of this uh, singer-songwriter stuff from the '70s. We're playing rock and roll. We're playing. So Jackson Brown, being a singer-songwriter from the '70s, he and <laughs> and Billy Joel did the same thing. He put out uh, was "You May Be Right" was the album. Oh yeah, a little harder. Yeah, yeah, a little bit harder edge stuff. Yeah. And Boulevard. <laughs> so it's a little bit harder edge for Jackson Brown in order to get played on the radio. So Jackson Brown says, see, I can play rock and roll. The rest of the album was uh, not particularly loud. but Did you ever admire, I guess from a distance, other newsmen like Lyle Dean and people like that? Did you ever have one person that you go, man, I either want to work with them or I want to at least meet well, them. No, but we all stole from people because we, you know, back in college, I mean, 
Fred yeah. and Lyle or Larry and Lyle Dean or well, the, of course. the people you listen to. Yeah. Um, and the stuff that they used to do, uh, like choose your news or, and, and they would do some weird stuff on the air that, and of course we, you know, we'd, we'd end up, you know, copying that sort of stuff, but you always, Lyle Dean was always very professional and you, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's where the line of the sand is. Oh, seriously. Yeah. I mean, oh. he would never be foolish. He's a newsman and a very serious. Yeah. He could be kind of a straight man for the jock. And um, didn't keep him from interacting, but yet he didn't yeah, go goofy. He didn't go goofy. You know, that was one thing that I really thought was odd early on that Bob Pressman was so news and so news director. And then I mean, Mr. Baseball. And then yeah, Mr. Baseball. They would take calls that they would have zero clue what these people I were know. going to ask. And yet Bob is a walking encyclopedia. Oh, baseball. Oh, yeah. He would nail it every time. It's like, yeah, sorry, you don't win, but we'll give you a T-shirt anyway because yeah. you played along. Yeah. Wow. And I was always out of the room. I was always down the hall in the ZOK studio whenever I walked. I'd come back on just as they were doing the trivia question or something. I'd miss <laughs> the, the lead up to that. Or, yeah. Know, it was whatever. really, really fun. And sometimes Bob would be in the studio, which was a different angle, and sometimes he would be in the newsroom. And it's, it was a different feeling, you know, for Bill and Doug and Riley was running the board back then. It was just a different feeling when Bob was actually in the room. I think they giggled more, you know, because you could, you know, and, you know, Bill's not straining his neck to look back into the newsroom. And uh, it was really cool to see Bob actually transition into mm -hmm. that character and then jump right back in again. Yeah. Speaking of characters, I hadn't seen <laughs> you for a long time. Our kids were in tumbling class together. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah, they, uh, they were troublemakers in that class. Yes, they were. And then I hadn't seen you for quite some time. Snow and sculpting was the last time I saw you. What is it? Snow sculpting. Yeah, yes, but in this particular instance, we're sitting at a production at the Starlight Theater. And I didn't look at the playbill as far as the entire cast. And all of a sudden, halfway through the production, I realized that John Strandon is in it dancing, and his Don't say dancing and his <laughs> and his entire family was in the production. You remember what show it was? Mm. It was a long time ago. Yeah, I was it Joseph? Remember. It was Joseph. Yeah. Very good memory. That was my first show out there. Was it really? Yeah. And you're the you're still it was my uh, uh, Glendia, my wife said, "Hey, that'll be fun. Why don't we?" <laughs> Why don't we do this? It'll be our summer thing. We'll do this all as a family. <laughs> Wives do that, don't they? Oh, they really well, do that. Yeah. So here you are 10 years later, and you're still involved in the theater, aren't you? I actually stopped doing it for, for a while. Uh, I'm back at it this summer. They're doing Disaster. Are you familiar with Disaster? Disaster? Disaster is a show. I mean, you'll, you'll, I mean, you'll love this because, actually, it's a takeoff on... 70s disaster movies. So well, like, like Poseidon Adventure? Poseidon Adventure, really? Towering Inferno. Oh, my God. Um, Willard with the rats. And <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, yeah, all those that came out in the 70s with 70s music. Oh, I'm in. In fact, I have to leave here uh, in about a half hour. Okay. Because we're uh, choreographing Mockingbird tonight. <laughs> Mock, wow, ing, and this, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and guess who the yeah is? No, not me. Oh, oh. Eric Wilson. Oh my! Oh, get out of 
He's the yeah. He's one of the wow. leads in this show. So. Eric will be one of our people that we call. And for those that don't yeah. know, Eric was on WZOK, and now he's been the anchor or co-anchor with Mimi Murphy on TV 17, WTVO, for a very, uh, very long yeah. time. Remember when he was still at ZOK, he was doing weekend weather at 13, and I think, and that's... I uh, do remember yeah. that. Did you, were you there at the same time I as think, Eric? I think I was. My mind is shot. Uh, <laughs> the 80s are a blur, so, uh, yeah. Let me ask you a couple of things. Um, did you uh, assign to covering City Hall, was that sort of a red carpet for you to start working with Mayor Doug Scott? I covered City Hall for, well, how long was I there? 24 years? So I... Fred had covered City Hall for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember what the circumstances were, um, but they said, John, we're going to have you cover City Hall. I don't, you know, I'm sure, you know, Fred would have kept on covering it forever. But it actually did free him up to do the stuff that he really loved. So I started covering City Hall, uh, city council meetings and committee meetings and stuff, two or three nights a week. And then um, there was a time, there were 14 aldermen, they they started calling me the 15th alderman <laughs> which was kind of scary i know but it was a it was a bit endearing I mean, it was very, yeah, yeah it was they meant well but you know it probably meant you know as a journalist you don't want to get too close to the people you're covering but i sent it knew where the where the uh, i knew where the bodies were buried and stuff like that <laughs> but there, i mean there were people like tv stations would send people to the um, um, send reporters to a meeting and they say, just ask John what's going on. There was a while there that I, you know, I'd come back from the meeting and I would, I would write something up and I'd, I'd fax it over to one of the TV stations um, because they were, they, they were, they were giving me like 10 bucks to do it. So, yeah. Hey, what the heck? You were doing double duty. I yeah. Du- yeah. I was double, were... I was double dipping. Yeah. But anyway, after, you know, after I'd been doing that for 24 years, Doug decides he's going to run for mayor. And he says, if I run for mayor, I'm going to have a communications person. Is that something you'd be interested in doing? And I said, mm-hmm. oh yeah. And then the timing was right. I mean, I love radio. Yeah. But the timing was right to leave when I left. Did you felt the industry changing. The industry was changing. The Nolte's had sold the station. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, they were in their second owner since the sale. First it was Connoisseur, and then it was Cumulus. And we're in that new building. And we only had, at one time, we had five or six news people, and now we were down to three. I mean, you get used to a certain standard of excellence, and it's hard to maintain that. Uh, With half really the staff. With half the staff and yeah. driving yourself a little bit, you know, nutty. So how do you think it would be if you had the opportunity to step back in a fully staffed newsroom? Let's say I gave you the exact circumstances that you had in your heyday, number of people, everything you needed, staff, everything else, but you're stepping into the world now with YouTube and social media and the internet. It's a, it's and a whole different animal. It is. But... It could work. Right after Q98 came over from Freeport and they were part of the company, they had this thing that they were doing. They would come up with a page with some local news headlines. They would fax it over to a bank in Freeport and on the teller's counter of the bank in Freeport, who goes in a bank anymore, right? Yeah. On the counter was a so-and-so bank of Freeport and Q98, your morning news. And there were like a bunch of news headlines on this pager. And people would take, you know, could take it. They come in and get, you know, cash and check and whatever. And they take this with them. Well, I finally went to, I went to the management. I go, you know what? Why are we doing this for that bank? 
why don't we do this for ourselves? I mean, you're, you're paying for a news department here. Why are we confining ourselves to just radio? Why don't we do this? Your salespeople can sell the heck out of it. And if this works, you can put it on the internet. You were way ahead of your time. Yeah, and they looked at me. This is, um, <laughs> you know, a couple, whoever was the manager, looked at me and went, nah. <laughs> now that's what everybody's doing. Now they're doing the Scooby-Doo, realizing what John told them 30 years ago. But now all the radio stations are, hey, blah, 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 blah. Here, we're going to talk about such and such. Go to our website. Absolutely every other sentence. Every other sentence is go to our websites. You're trying to drive website traffic. And radio stations are not just selling radio ads. They are selling so many things so deep. Or that advertiser, you can bounce off the radio station and buy this whole big package, which will include the internet and all that. And you're buying multiple stations. And what I I refer to as uh, um, those freaky ads, the ones where... you know, you say something and all of a sudden an ad pops up on your phone. Oh, God. Yeah. Like you talk about, oh. oh, man, I need some shoes. And all of a sudden you pick up your phone and there's a, an ad for shoes. And yeah. All right, this is really weird. <laughs> so this do you- is really weird. But I mean, I think a, a real news staff could coexist. I think they could coexist with that. I think that would work. They just need to play the cards properly. I guess I also wonder, everybody's got a phone. Everybody's got a camera. Everybody's got access to feed it on to wherever they are. Would what Fred Spear did and did so well for so many years, would that still be relevant when the person next door could, quote unquote, report it in Fred's defense? I don't know how that would work to his favor or his detriment. I don't know. Unless you provided the vehicle for that person to upload it. But then, you know, you got to check their authenticity, too. I mean, remember that everybody had this news uh, call in, the news tip to so-and-so, you know, whatever yes. a phone number yeah. was. But it, the the difference between somebody, you know, put, going online saying, hey, there's an accident at, at a corner, which is great. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad now that uh, that I don't have to read school closings continuously <laughs> on there. Now you just now you just go online or watch the scrawl on, on, on the TV. There is that, I mean, But yes. that was, I mean, you got, I hated those days when the weather was bad because you just, all morning, you just, is yeah. there school today? And, and, and just read the, uh, read the, you know, the list is two pages long. You just read the list continuously, continuously yeah. until, your, uh, until your throat was sore. It was bad for listeners, too, until you heard your school. Okay. And then you yeah. just blanked right. the rest so of it out. what I was saying out. was the difference between somebody saying there's a fire, or there's such and such is on fire, I see black smoke. Fred would be there and tell you what it was. Yes, that's true. And talk to somebody that was talk probably to somebody connected. who would give you the correct information. That's true. And that's, that's actually true. one of the reasons I left was when the management said that uh, Fred was putting too many uh, miles on his car. I said, all right, it's time for me to go. Yeah. I don't want to be the one that has to go tell Fred not to go to a fire. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. I'm no, not. that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Let's back up just a tiny bit. Uh, when you were talking about the hierarchy of people when you first came to Rockford, do the names Tony Clyburn and Randy Osborne ring bells to you? Yes. They were in the news department at, at, y- at, at YFE. YFE. Uh, yeah, uh, Randy's a great guy. Tony, we would cover meetings together. I see him all the time. During the pandemic, when Liz and I got connected back at WLUV, you know that whole thing mm-hmm. with Joe Salvi dying. So where are they now? Tony Clyburn is in Columbia, South Carolina a radio station called 93.1 The Lake for 30 years. Wow, good for him. So I can pull him up. I remember up. him playing hockey. Yes, he talked about hockey. Yeah. So I can pull him up anytime I want to 
through Amazon or Alexa mm-hmm. and listen to him in his afternoon show. So as a side note on that, Randy Osborne and I, Randy was my program director at WLUV when Chuck and I worked there when we were 17. He fell Chuck off. Chuck Doyle. Yes. He fell off the face of the earth. Well, remember, for a long time, he was uh, writing for the labor. He was. So he ended up moving to San Francisco. I mean, this is the short story. And then everybody wanted them down in Atlanta and have all the writers of the publication all in one spot. Valentine's Day of 2020, shortly after Joe Selvey had died, Mm -hmm. and it's 5 o'clock, and I get this ID, this phone call, from San Francisco. I automatically thought somebody, it was a robocall. Somebody's going to tell you something. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's going to sell you something. Yeah. Sell you real estate. Yeah. I thought it was a robocall. But on the other hand, there's something that tapped on my shoulder yeah. that I should pick it up. Well, he still had his phone system from San Francisco. And I picked it up and he goes, that's the voice I remember hearing. And I knew that it was him instantly. And Tony and Randy and I have been in contact ever since. Uh, I remember Sky Drysdale being on WKKN. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember. I remember Marianne Pressman being on KKN. You're kidding she me. Was doing, she did mornings when they first went on the air as a country station. Did Marianne ever work at WROK and WZOK? Yeah. She did. I, she, was, I, she, she was a writer for a while, but she also did middays on ZOK when it was an album station for a while. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember that. You don't remember that, but it was just back in... Was uh, and it wasn't for a long time, but she, I mean, she, <laughs> that's yeah. hilarious. I remember that. Yeah, you know, we were talking about Riley O'Neill the other day. I don't know how it came up, but there was a phrase somebody said. He says, "You know," and I'm, I'm bouncing this off of you to see if you agree, because I certainly agreed with him that when you walked into the studio that Riley was at, doesn't matter whether he was operating the board or whether he was doing afternoons, it didn't matter. You weren't quite sure what was going to happen, but you knew it was going to be fun. Oh, yeah. And that was pretty much the formula. Part of that not knowing what was going on Mm -hmm. was part of the reason you walked in. And for years, he's done that. Oh, I forgot. Add Riley to our list because I worked with Riley. Riley did mornings at ZOK. What? Riley did? Come on. Is he the gap that we were talking about? He would have been maybe after Eric. Before Shannon. Before Shannon. I never realized. I that. forgot all about that because I, I called him out because I had a, I had a jacket, and said the Riley O'Neill Breakfast Club ninety seven ZOK and it was the green and I remember orange, those. It was oh, the green really? and orange yeah. uh, logo. Yeah. I had called him. I said, "Do you want this, or do you know anybody who wants this?" And because when he left there, he burned his. Or oh something, no! Or something like oh, that. No. I say he says, "Thank you for calling me." And I, because I'm trying to, you know, hundreds <laughs> of radio station T-shirts and jackets, and you try to unload them where you can to somebody who would who would actually treasure them. And, yes. And so, uh, wow. All right, I got to tell you a Riley story. Okay. All right. This is this is a story I've been thinking of all week. <laughs> Thanksgiving morning. I have no idea what year. That's okay. All right. So I always volunteered to work on Thanksgiving because you knew there would be news because the day before Thanksgiving is a regular holiday. Yes. And we always had to work one of the one, one of the three Christmas winter New holidays. Or, yeah. So it's Christmas, New Year's, or Thanksgiving. I would always volunteer to work Thanksgiving because you knew there'd be something going on from the day before that would okay. get you through the morning. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know if I had to run downtown. Yeah, I did. I had to run downtown because, uh, you know, and then – Fred would be out if there was an emergency, but I would have to run. It would be like a weekend. I would run downtown, go through right. the police department, all that stuff, see if there was anything going on. 
And so I got back to the station. It was probably about 4 o'clock. Pull up to the radio station. This is the back in the old building, and there's a motorcycle out front. And I go, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> so I walk in, and the weekend part-time person who shall remain nameless Uh-oh. <laughs> is trashed. This is four it's in the a, afternoon? Sh- no, four in the morning. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I come in about four, <laughs> you know, four in the morning. And this, uh, the, the woman who, the young, uh, young lady who was on the air is just trash. And she has a guy in the studio who I've never seen before. It was his motorcycle. So I'm like, oh, my God. I'm thinking, what am I going to do here? I mean, <laughs> I'm not management. You know, she shouldn't have this guy in here. But. I could get in trouble, you know. So I'm just, I'm just trying to ignore her. But she is just totally wasted. And this is back when we were still playing music. So she's playing songs and slurring her words and oh stuff no. like that. Oh no! So I'm just, I'm just trying to ignore her because not go about my duty. So it's about five o'clock, and the first newscast is on, and she, she gets on. And meanwhile, Riley is doing mornings that day because he's probably a weekend guy at okay. the time. And so he's coming in to do, uh, he's, you know, Riley probably 17 at the time. Right? He's coming in to do mornings on Thanksgiving morning. So he walks in right about the time she opens up the microphone and goes, It's 5 o'clock, WROK Rockford. Um, John Strannon's here with the news. <laughs> and she goes, John, you don't like me very much, do you? <laughs> What was your first hint? <laughs> I go, thank you very much, and I go on with the first, with the news story. And Riley is in the in the hallway there between the studios, just cracking up. And so we still we still every time we see each other, I go, I look at him and I go, you don't like me very much, and we just bust a gut laughing because it's just so funny. You know, went to the studio and forced her to leave, and and. Uh, <laughs> So she left with whoever the guy was on the motorcycle. And now, regardless <laughs> about the nameless part, do you actually remember who she is? Yeah. So you can tell us after we hit pause. Yeah. Okay. Because because yeah. now you've got my curiosity yeah. up. I'm trying to think who you're, and you're talking about the ROK yeah, side. Yeah. This is an. Yeah, I know, but I can't remember a whole lot of overnight women on the ROK side. Well, this would have been somebody who was probably a weekend person who was filling in. Remember, it's a holiday. Oh, Thanksgiving, that's yeah, right. It's Thanksgiving, so okay. it's probably somebody, maybe Bobby had the night off. I don't yeah, know. now or I don't even. Yeah, I don't even remember who you know who oh, might have been funny. there wow. at the time. But hey, I got to tell you something that leads into an insert that I'm going to put into this when we edit it. And one of the reel-to-reels that I found the other day was you and I from 1981. I have no idea why I let the tape go for the entire newscast, but that's when because I did. Because you knew. I did. I did. Fast forward 45 years, yeah. I knew. It was me as Jay Holiday on WZOK, which was did my Did you do f- that a lot? No, I did it maybe a half a dozen times. Yeah. Dallas Cole talked me into it. Dallas Cole gave me the name, and it was all because I was going to do ZOK during the Rolling Stones concert so everybody could go to the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was leading up to it. I was sort of You're practicing. practicing exactly. Exactly. And I was still at NIU. Yeah. So here comes John Strandon, and I introduce you yeah. as the news guy, and I ran the entire newscast. This was 1981 on WZOK. I listened to that, and I go, wow. Yeah. So it's 5.50 in the morning. And your voice is a lot lower at 5.50 in the morning than it is later in the day. So it's like, wow, I, 
don't remember ever sounding that good. <laughs> <laughs> so let's. And then it took me a while to figure out. I had to listen to it a couple times to go. That's Tim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jay Holiday. Jay, so let. Who the heck is Jay, Jay Holiday? That's right. So let's play this insert, and we'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Ninety-seven FM WZOK. This is Jay Holiday with Sticks. Tonight's the night we'll make history. When I'm alone with you. Ninety-seven FM WZOK. Good morning. This is Jay Holiday. It's five fifty. Of course, Sticks and the best of times. Well, the Rockford School Board back at full strength. John Strandon is here with details. The Rockford Board of Education has filled a vacancy. The school board last night chose Rock Valley College political science professor Norm Carney as its newest member. Carney was one of nine candidates being considered to replace departed board member Robert Bates. And Carney was elated after receiving word of his selection. I am very pleased for one of the principal reasons being there were some very fine candidates who were there this evening. Uh, they, oh, there were nine of us all told. And to be chosen uh, out of the nine, I, I think it's a, it's a very great honor. Because of his position as an educator at an institution of higher learning, Carney says he'll be able to judge how effective the school district is in preparing youngsters for higher education. The city's going to help a group of local doctors buy new equipment used to diagnose cancer. The city council's okayed $1.2 million in industrial revenue bonds for CT associates to buy new CAT scan equipment. The city's announced plans to turn a vacant warehouse downtown into an office building. Local developer Roy Freed's behind the project. He says the old Forche building's location near the county courthouse will make this redevelopment project work. We had a similar project on 7th Street that uh, we filled up completely. We took people from uh, professional people that were not on 7th Street and we put them in that building. And we've kept that building full now ever since it was completed. Preet says once the project is completed, the Forche building would house 80 to 100 workers. City Council still has to okay the $1.5 million proposal. On the floor of the Senate and in the back rooms of the House, the question facing lawmakers today is this. Should the government be prohibited from spending more money than it takes in? Voting on a proposed constitutional amendment requiring a balanced federal budget is expected to begin today in the Senate. In the House, supporters plan to continue their quest for enough signatures to bring the matter straight to the House floor, bypassing committee action. A drowning on the city's north side yesterday, three fishermen spotted a body washed up against a clump of debris a short distance from shore in the 2400 block of Clinton Road. Dead is 79-year-old Edith Paddock of 2443 Clinton Road. She had been living with her son, attorney David Paddock, since arriving from an Iowa nursing home last Friday. An 18-year-old university student from Canada is the new Miss Universe. Karen Baldwin defeated 76 other women for the title in competition last night at a converted bullfight stadium in Lima, Peru. Baseball last night, the Sox lost to Baltimore 6-2. Cincinnati beat the Cubs 4-2. And the Brewers lost to Texas 3-1. Rockford weather increasing cloudiness today. Warm, hazy showers and thunderstorms developing this afternoon. The high up near 85. Showers and thunderstorms ending tonight, clearing and cooler and less humid, the low 62, and partly sunny and mild tomorrow, the high tomorrow 82, right now 73 degrees at 97 WZOK.
1027 FM, WZOK. This is Jay Holiday. A couple minutes before 6 o'clock, Tim Fox is next with more of Rockford's best music. Here's Toto and Rosanna, 97 WZOK. So that was 1981 and WZOK. Who is a program director from either the ROK or the ZOK side that you've got a good story on? Charlie Quinn. Charlie Quinn is a good one. But he wasn't the program director at the time. Oh. What? All right. So back in the late 70s, okay. I remember when I came, remember I we, yeah. we're rewinding now back to the beginning of the story. I'm working with Shotgun, and then after that, Joe James. Carl Hamilton, Dave Hamilton, takes off to Little Rock and takes most of the staff with him. About this time, and I may be off on exactly what year it was, Charlie is moving. He was down with the company. He's down in Evansville. At the, the station that the company had an interest in, WGBF oh. in, in Evansville. And he's moving to Peoria to be program director at KZ93. Oh my. But he had like a week or two in between jobs, and they talked him into coming in and just uh, filling in for a couple weeks because they were short some jocks. On the AM or the FM on, side? On ROK. This is back when ZOK was still beautiful music, I Are believe, you at the time. kidding me? So they have Charlie's going to come in and fill in for a couple weeks at night. Somebody tells him, and I'm doing the news here, so it's some night. It's probably a Friday night because all weird stuff always happens <laughs> on Friday night. Um, somebody tells him that I'm impossible to crack up on the air. Impossible? Well, I didn't think so at the time, but this is what the, what the story was. Uh, Steve Knoll may have been in the room at the time, so he may be able to fill in the okay. rest of the story. Somebody tells Charlie that I'm impossible to crack up, so he goes gets a bowl and gets everything out of the refrigerator and mixes it up in a bowl. I mean, so what's probably in the refrigerator? Ketchup, mustard, coffee oh, creamer, yeah. all sorts of junk. Mixes it up in a bowl Old and then yeah. and starts spreading it on the window <gasps> between the two studios oh, no. while, oh while I'm in the middle of the news. <laughs> oh, no. And did it work? Well, maybe, uh, but but I think I I think I uh, I you know I may be exaggerating this story, maybe, maybe, but I think I held my composure until he started licking the window. Oh <laughs> my God! It's either that or he dropped oh. his pants. I don't remember what. <laughs> well, either of those could have happened yeah, with either, Charlie Quinn. Could have all could have happened. So. Oh, uh, my. what time of the day was this? This is like you know. 10 o'clock at night? 10 or 11 o'clock at night, yeah. That is a classic. Then he comes back a few years later, and he's the operations manager, and I'm like, hi, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) Remember me? Yeah. (laughs) Would you like to sit down and reminisce a little bit? Oh, that's hilarious. Excuse me? No. no, no. (laughs) Do you remember when we used to do all the April Fool's jokes? yeah. Oh my God! They this, would never tell me ahead of time what was going to happen because I would uh, I would spill it. Well, this so. is my favorite John Strandon story. I can't remember what year it was and what the morning show had done, but on the way to the radio station, I had the idea that we would change the high school colors. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, do yes. Oh I remember that. my God! Yeah. So. I wrote up this letter. Is that looked, when you were doing middays? Yes. Yeah, okay. It looked very official. It was signed by a guy by the name of J. Kenneth Bench, which is basically Johnny Bench of the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. I interviewed 
Marvin Beasley, who was our engineer, nobody yeah. ever heard him on the air, yeah. as this pompous, non-caring, you know, I prepped him ahead of time, downstate in Springfield, we are changing all the colors of the, of high, all schools. the high schools. Yeah, so the biggest example was Guilford, who went from a light blue and white yeah. to red and green. Nasty. So I start this, I read this, and John comes to the middle in between the newsroom and the studio where our mailboxes were and stopped in the middle and looked at me. I mean, gave me just the nastiest look like. I didn't know it was a joke. Yeah, no, he's looking at me going, what in the hell are you doing? So I finished, <laughs> and I turned the mic off, and he walked in and he goes, why didn't we get this news release? <laughs> well, yeah, actually, I'm always looking for the story. And I said, I'm not really sure, John. And he goes, you know, we need to get that. Was it addressed to you or the newsroom? How did, how did you get it? Who put it in your mailbox? And finally, after he sort of stopped his rant a little bit, I go, John, it's April Fool's. And he goes, you ass. And then he went back into the newsroom and just was happy to see it all unfold because people were calling up going, I just bought my cheerleading uniform for my daughter. And then the, the school district call. Who was handling the school district at the time? Because they were pissed off, too. Because they didn't know about it? Yes, because the school district called and said, we didn't know about it. Well, neither did the news guy that was covering the school. Oh, God. And then later on that afternoon, Riley's April Fool's was that mine was so bad that I got fired. And then he went on and on and on with that. So, it oh, God, it went to like six or seven at night. It was nuts. But when you walked in that door, oh, oh my God. I forgot about that one. That was so funny. I enjoyed... I enjoy on my face. Well, but but I also enjoyed literally everybody in the newsroom. There is not one instance that I can go, oh God, that guy's sort of a jackass today. No, we had not good people. once. We had good people. Yeah. And we had um, we had managers who keep you in line if you if you weren't good people. Mm-hmm. I remember telling somebody, uh, this staff is really good. We gotta keep mm-hmm. them together. And you know, what happens this radio, people leave. But they kept getting better. <laughs> you go, what? Yeah, how's you know? this happening? Yeah, how's this happening? We got, well, you know, it does trickle down from the top. People get better and better, and yeah, yeah. So people wanted to come work there, and you know, and you know, and everybody again. What I said is, a lot of people left and moved on to really nice jobs and very big things. The three of us still in Rockford, Illinois. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and that's not really a bad thing, no, because we get to go places and do cool things. I know. I did actually get a job offer in Milwaukee once. But uh, and turned it down. Did you really? Yeah, what station? Q ninety three. Q ninety three. Was that an album station at the time? I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, John, thank you so much for coming in. My cheeks hurt. This has been a really good time, and I hope you've well, reminisced you on some stuff. Well, this is just sort of a generic outline. You're going to come back. That's all there is. You're coming back. I'll come back. Oh. You know, I'll come back with Riley or Wicker. I'll come yeah. back with Wicker. Yeah. John Strandon's now going to be known as one of the Double Dippers. <laughs> thank you, John. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. I right, take it easy. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Storyteller's Studio in celebration of WROK Radio's 100th year in broadcasting.